My name is John Gebbia, and I'm the artist and co-creator of Dose. And Dose is a science fiction comic. In that environment, superhero and kaiju are all over the place. Chaos and destruction is a day-to-day occurrence in the city. And the main character, he's an ex-child superhero star with uh, no direction in life. He's lost to drugs. All he does is self-medicate. And one night when he's out scoring, he witnesses this murder, pulls him into this whole mystery, and is forced to reckon with his superhero past. Uh, drugs are legal in Dose. And we have these things called metadrugs, which are illegal, but that enable regular people like us uh, to have superpowers for a short amount of time. So it's like cosplay through drug abuse. And that's the coolest thing. Thing in the city in the world of dose and you're listening to 11 o'clock comics <laughs> this the first episode post 22 yep wow merry new year i said that nobody got it i was, Wait, I was what? yeah i know and it's not even a favorite. Yeah, it, and it, it, it's not even a favorite movie. Like I tolerate it. <laughs> it ain't with the bars already. Jesus. Yeah. Coming out. Last episode, coming out strong. It's going down. Next episode may be the last one. We'll see. No, two weeks. Oh, really? Wow! I'm finished two weeks before the due date. It's impressive. Wow, yeah, it's amazing. That's incredible. It is. Oh, but th- so good. I have to re- retract a statement I made on the Slack saying I'll talk about these books after the Ecloskers. No, I'm talking about them next week. Awesome. Oh, and, indeed. Yeah, we hope you're feeling awesome because this is 11 o'clock comics. It's the Godhead episode, 777. Mm. Remember your Pixies lore. And I'm Vince B. You are Vince B. I am David A. Price. Indeed you are, and I'm strong to the finish, because I eat some spinach. I'm Popeye the Sailor Man. It's not on your list. It is on my list. Did you revise your list? Oh my goodness, I missed it. I'm sorry, because I would have been a lot more excite. (laughs) Yes, sir. Oh, nice. All right, cool. And you know why I'm a little bit excite? Because the list of specials for the month has been posted at Discount Comic Book Service. DCBService.com. Get your books, get them fast, get them delivered right to your door for a fraction of what everybody else is paying. I hope all you people at home are sitting down because I didn't want to put this one last. I'm leading with the gut punch, okay? From IDW. Are you sitting down? I can wait. Sit down. Or if you're driving, you may pull off to the side of the road because you're going to swerve into somebody when I tell you what this book is. From IDW, it is Godzilla versus Power Rangers, number one of five, written by Cullen Bunn. Art by who? Who's the artist on this? Anybody know? Freddie. I have no idea. I haven't seen the previews yet. Freddie Williams, the second. Oh, you're giddy. There My you dude from dude. IDW Publishing and Boom Studios. It's a joint effort. Two titanic powers collide in a cross-company collaboration event you never expected, ellipsis, but makes complete sense, and it do. When Rita Repulsa uses an ancient artifact to transport herself to a universe without Power Rangers, she finds herself on a world with aliens, kaiju, and... Gojira! Hoping to annihilate this new foe, Rita hurls her own terrible creatures into battle, but she never expects that the rangers have followed her to this alternate reality. Now, 
the dinosaurs themselves are going head to head with the oh stop with the king of the monsters written by superstar scribe cullen bunn who wrote godzilla cataclysm and illustrated by artist extraordinaire damn skippy freddie williams ii now this thing has a cover price of 3.99 respect but you can have it for how much tell them oh two dollars yes a dollar ninety nine. That's fifty yeah, percent. Do, do my head real quick. Oh, Mister Numbers. Fifty percent off the cover price. Now, from Image, we got another heavy hitter. This is called ZVRC, but that's just shorthand for Zombies versus Robots Classic Number One of Four, which is back in print for the first time in over a decade. The original versus title is back to reclaim its turf and introduce itself to a new world. Eisner Award-nominated duo Chris Reel and Ashley Wood take control of Zombies vs. Robots and kick off the excitement with a lineup of classic adventures, all packed to the gills with action. Each issue will present an iconic tale and, in this debut issue, readers will be treated to a 26-page which-came-first origin story. And, because we love you, each issue will also feature new Ashley Wood covers, a new illustrated intro and outro, and an all-new story, too. Wow! Join us for the first time all over again. Now, this is coming from Image. It's a $3.99 cover price. Ridiculous. And your price is, David? Uh, $1.99? <laughs> yes. $1.99. 50% off. Uh, I did a previews video. Uh, on this because I want y'all to read it from Seven Seas Witches Complete Collection Omnibus written and drawn by Daisuke Igarashi and here's the pitch on a visit to the capital of a small country in the far west of Asia a British girl named Nicola falls in love the object of her affections is Mimar a young man who works at a bazaar Yet, well, that's weird. They didn't put a space in there. It looks like bizarre yet. A young man who works at a bazaar, yet despite her attempts, he doesn't notice her. Back at home in England, the ache of her unrequited love festers. After years spent obtaining wealth, fame, and the secret of the world, and you know what that means, she returns to the bazaar to exact her deadly revenge upon Mimar and those he holds dearest. This story is just one of many in this dramatic collection, which features tales of witchcraft across the globe and even in the far reaches of outer space. Winner of an excellence prize at the 2004 Japan Media Arts Festival, now you can own the entire series in English for the first time in this beautiful omnibus release. Super cheap. It's like close to 400 pages. Super cheap at $19.99. But... You're not going to pay that. Nope. You're going to pay $13.99. That's 30% off. My goodness. DCBService.com does not mind late orders or order additions. And they bring your food to you like a girl on roller skates at the old drive-ins. It's unbelievable. Just go there. DCBService.com. Proof in the pudding. It's going to be a great month. Nice. Yeah. I, uh, I'm very eager to get the previews. It's unusual to not have previews in my hands by the 5th of the month. Truth. Yeah, I don't usually get it at the 5th. 
I, uh, I have to do some digging online. And then when I get my paper copy, I discard the, the digital. But mm. Because there's only one, one way to, to go through uh, previews, and that's physically. But they're making moves. Diamond is going to um, go digital with the previews. I mean, they, they already do to a certain extent, but they're going to stress the digital over the physical because it must cost a good amount of money to print all these catalogs. Okay. But are we still going to be able to get the print or not? Yeah, you'll be able to get the print, um, but it's. I think it's going to cost a little more from what I, I did. If you go to that site that won't be named, there's a an, an article on there. How true it is, I don't know, but... Ugh, I, the idea of looking through 500 pages on a digital like PDF is just... <laughs> I know, it sucks. But you go. I don't even go past like 300. Like I don't traipse into the toy section because I know I can get all that stuff cheaper elsewhere. I mean, I look at it just to see what's coming. I like checking out. Yeah, the same. Stuff. Yeah, I never order anything. Yeah, stuff. I'm not going to. And and I'll show I'll show Renee a lot of the uh, a lot of the statues and when Scotty's got a new animated figure out or things like that. Nice. I'm drinking. What are you drinking? Well, I'm doing another trifecta this week because I said I have a lot of beer. I'm drinking from Southern Tier. This is Old Man Winter. It's a winter ale. I am drinking uh, Fishtail Organic Amber Ale. I don't know how that's going to be. And the last one is, oh, uh, it's it's uh, Belgian Dark Beer Brewed with Spices, Orange Peel and Thyme. It's called Nice Chalfy. Okay. It's an old stout little pudgy bottle, like it needs to go on the Peloton. But there you go. One, two, three. Triple fisting, he says. Yep. Trifecta, nice. actually. By the way, you're slipping, old man. You didn't introduce me tonight. Oh. I was so excited over the... the I got you so excited about being Popeye. You just went with it. Yeah, I did. I was excited. It, it was actually the... The Power Rangers, Godzilla, but I was excited. Oh, I was. <laughs> enough, fair enough. Uh, I am. I am drinking. Uh, it's a 2021 vintage. Uh, it's uh, from Polar. It is uh, <laughs> a. It's a ruby red grapefruit seltzer. It's got great mouthfeel. Mm. It's aged just long enough. That's good. And I had some coffee right before. I, when we were doing the uh, pre-show shenanigan hellos and salutations, I was drinking some uh, some coffee, but uh, in my Yoda best dad ever mug. The picture of baby Yoda, and it says Yoda best dad ever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, <right>. Lord. <laughs> Anywho, why don't you tell us what you're drinking? I am uh, I'm enjoying a, uh, a Sazerac. Which is a whiskey-based cocktail, um, with a hint of uh, absinthe and bitters. Um, it's it's not quite what Vince and I had at the Not an Irish Pub in Seattle, um, but the hint of it is there. It's it's a cousin to an old fashioned, but nice. it's really good. I thought you were drinking Wait. the the pit that Boba Fett fell into. 
Did, didn't he fall into oh, the Sazerac pit? I thought, was, I thought he was trying to tell us he was the he was the the, the Messiah in Dune. <laughs> wow! See, that's a little bit of stretch, Mister Fantastic. Yes. I, and, you know, <laughs> the Kisach Hatterock. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, we have finally yeah, entered. We've we've dark lock. We've <laughs> we've opened the accordion assassin. We've opened the door into geekdom, and there's no turning back now. That's why we're here. Yeah. All right. Nothing's the matter. I'm just I'm just overflowing with with positivity tonight. Nice. Before we get rolling on the comic talk, I want to give a thank you. Okay. To longtime friend of the show, Mr. Davin Pasek. Davin hit me up and he said, "Hey, would you be interested in this?" And it was a picture, and my eyes nearly blew out of their sockets when I saw what he was asking me if I would be interested in. It is a shrink-wrapped, unopened, complete box of 48 packs of Youngblood trading cards. <laughs> Ten cards per pack. From 1990, comic images? 1992, comic images. Yes. There may be an autographed card in there somewhere. And I was like, dude, there? what are you talking about? And he goes, yeah, I had these. I found them. I was, like, cleaning up some stuff. Found them. I thought of you. He's like, I thought you'd get a kick out of them. I don't know, you know. And I'm like, dude. So, long story short, he sent them to me. It's such an awesome gift, and I am going to. He and I were chatting, and I so I said, well, why don't we do this to kind of uh, at least make it like not just about me. So uh, I'm going to open them, and uh, we're gonna make a little Patreon video of it. So I'm gonna open them up this weekend, and uh, unveil them, do a little unboxing, and we'll see. Uh, we'll see what's in there. Should nice. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, it's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got another previews video coming, and it's it's um, not a previews video predicated on any kind of knowledge because I know nothing about the book. I saw it solicited, and I'm like, "Holy shit, this looks good!" And I believe Dap talked about the series on a on an older episode. I'll I'll hit you up after the show to find out if you did. But okay. um, I I think it's a cool idea to to just look at something, and say, "Wow, this looks great." Learn with me. Right? Yeah, I I love, love your new approach of of doing a couple previous videos, just just the the, the main highlights. The holy shit, you really need to make sure you buy this. I, yeah. I like that idea. Yeah, if uh, if if you get positive vibes and reception off that, I I, I may follow your suit. Follow right, your suit. because we uh, in in case you're wondering what are, what are these previous videos the the dudes are talking about for our patrons every month, um, we do. Just what it sounds like. Previews videos. We'll we'll go through the the three previews catalogs and highlight the stuff that we think looks interesting. And my approach was to pull up the PDF of the previews catalog and go page by page, not in great detail. Just like sometimes I would click past ten or twenty pages, getting to the thing that I wanted to speak on. But I, I, that's boring to me. And like I said, I can only imagine how excruciatingly uneventful that is for a, a viewer like as a youtube fan if i would not sit through that so i'm thinking what would make me giddy to see and i wanted that's how i want to present my videos i'm not being complacent anymore i'm just gonna do it bring it i love it yeah yeah, yeah it's a good idea i have to um thank mr brian newberry for uh for sending me a book uh 
was a Christmas present. Uh, he he uh, slid into my DMs and, and let me know something was going to be coming because I mentioned on the Slack that um, I found out well after the fact that uh, going through my unshipped items and things that are processed on the DCBS site that um, Full Bleed Volume 4 never showed up. And I asked about it, and apparently they were... Um, I was told that they were shorted, which isn't unusual, but uh, I was a little bummed because um, once I knew the fourth and final volume was coming out, I um, because I bought the first volume at Heroes for Mad Cheap, I bought volumes two and three when they announced volume four, also for cheap. And I was like, great, I'll have the whole set. Um, until I wasn't going to have the whole set. But, uh, but when I... I posted my tale of woe on the uh on the slack brian um decided to poke a brother up so so that arrived and i can't wait to sit down and um and go through them all but um also have to give a shout out to uh to ian because uh he offered he sent me a message saying that uh he had a copy that um he was willing to part with but having just sent him a um something in the post uh along with an 11 o'clock pin 11 o'clock comics pin um i know how pricey it is to ship to uh to the uk and i was not going to um i would have felt really bad if, if he sent me this big hunk of book through uh through international mail but um we've got some really really cool people that we uh that we know through the internet's and and some we've met, but uh, I, I, we, we've got a really good group, and I'm really glad that uh, that we get to hang out with them every day. Yep, yep, yep. It's so true, man. I, I, I mean, we've said it a million times, but we can never say it enough. It's ridiculous how uh, giving and thoughtful so many people are in this community. That you know, I'd like that that think of others and and not just ourselves, but each other, you know each other too. I mean, there's people are always hooking each other up, and it's just like. Yeah, it's 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 like super humbling and 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 uh, heartwarming. So much right. love to everybody. And Brian's right up there, man. He's he's a he's a he's definitely you know his love language is is definitely like he's a giver. He caretakes. True that. He's a good man. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Speaking of good men. Oh boy. No, well, you know, I was uh, I got to say the the community since we're giving them love. Man, I thought like today I was flying high before we got on the show. We 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 always talk. In fact, people that listen to the show that aren't a part of the Patreon probably get tired of us talking about the Patreon and the Slack. But hey, you know, I'm telling you, give it a try. You, you'll understand why we talk about it all the time. But anyway, we had two new members of the Slack today, and they are. It's like old home week. It's yeah. so great. Freaking the newest members, the newest shout outs to the Slack tier. Freaking Mr. Lance Kaiser and the man himself, Mr. Bill Z. It's nuts. It's an, I'm I'm so glad. In the same yeah. day, dude. I was right. like, what? It, I thought Christmas was last cup last week. Cray cray. Right. Absolutely. On on the twelfth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me a bear and a old friend. Yep. Crazy. And we love them. Yeah, both. We also love comics, please. We do. We do. Uh, I had to read something in anticipation uh, of the 11 o'clock Oscars. 
I love it. Yeah, you got to get it in. I, I too, have been reading stuff that came out last year just to make sure. Yeah. Well, this book has been uh, highly touted. It's on a lot of lists, um, a lot of best of lists for last year. And so I'm like, well, I, I better read it because I'm going to – I'll feel like a like an idiot if I don't include it in my, my O'Claskers. It was really great. Uh, but unfortunately, it did not eclipse the greatness of the things that did make the categories. But uh, it's called Kaiju Number Eight. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is on many lists. Yes, written and illustrated by Naoya Matsumoto, published by Viz. I thought it was amazing, uh, and but I also didn't want to run the risk of of the the uh, reading it in such proximity to the cutoff date of the O'Claskers, like, oh, well, it's fresh in his mind. Of course he's going to say that one, you know? I, but I really deliberate. I really put it up against the, the stuff that did win in its category. And while it's very, very, very good, I don't want to sound like a downer. It just wasn't, didn't have that extra oomph that elevated above what did win for me. So let's just put I it I got it way. sitting right here. It's, it's, I'm going to try and read it before I finish my balloting, but. Okay. Well, um, I won't spoil a whole lot of it i'll set it up for you in this reality kaiju are real and now please kaiju does not mean giant monster kaiju means strange beast but the kaiju that are plaguing japan and where else would they plague in this reality most of them just happen to be giant so don't go down that wrong road and call you know kaiju do not have to be large large to be kaiju they have to just be a strange creature so whatever the the story focuses on a young man named kafka hibino right and he is employed at this company called monster sweeper they are this reality's damage incorporated they clean up after the kaiju rampages not only do i mean and by cleanup is they remove the bodies of the dead kaiju they they chop them up uh, one team does the like the bones another team will do um well i'll get to it right and um kafka once had grander aspirations he wanted to join the japan defense force and he had a, a friend uh mina ashiro young lady and they both saw their neighborhood destroyed by a kaiju and they made a pact that we're going to both get into the japan defense force and we're going to save people and stop these rampages from affecting the population like us we know how it feels this cannot stand we're going to we're going to do it both of us well unfortunately only one of them made it and that's mina she rose to the rank of captain. She's the captain of the third division of the Japan, uh, Japan Defense Force. She's attractive. And because people are scared, like, when is the next kaiju going to destroy our neighborhood? Everybody's on high alert. It, it's the, the monsters are at the forefront of everybody's consciousness. She's a celebrity. She's always on TV. Um, it doesn't hurt her that she has a white tiger <laughs> as a pet. So she's going, she's in the fields and she's got her gear on these massive weapons and at her side is a white tiger. Like how cool does that look? 
amazingly cool if you look at uh, Matsumoto's art. But Kafka's not too upwardly mobile. He, he's happy being a monster sweeper. He, he goes to work. He does his job. He hates it, but he does his job because it, it, he has a, he doesn't purport to have a good work ethic, but he does. Like he, the, he dreads going to work, but once he's there, he gives it his all. And his supervisor notices this. Um, but he, he's, he's not too, um, upwardly mobile. He goes to work. He comes home. He drinks. He watches TV. Repeat, right? He's content to work this shitty job. Uh, and by shitty, literally shitty, because um, when the book opens, he's assigned intestine duty, which if you know how the the, the body works, when uh, food is broken down and in, in makes poop, that's all the realm of the intestines. And it's not a good job, but he does it with relish because it's his task, right? And... Um, He's somewhat motivated. The Monster Sweeper uh, company gets a new worker, a young man named Reno. And um, he lets Kafka know that, you know, he, once he realizes that Kafka wanted to join the, the Japanese Defense Force, that um, he's up there in age. I think Kafka's like 32, and which is was, was considered old for that that job but because of the declining birth rate because you have all these monsters traipsing around all over the place the thought of bringing children into the world is is not is not um embraced in this reality and he's like you know what they just raised the age um the cutoff age for the enlistment so you still got a chance buddy so kafka decides to stop being a quitter and try again to join the ranks for the defense force he failed once so he uh thought he'd give it another go but the the, the story takes a cool turn when uh kafka and reno are on a job site and they thought they have things under control and they're cleaning up the monster and, and everything's cool but a yoju erupts into the scene now what's a yoju anybody you, you guys saw cloverfield right of course, yeah. Yeah, you know the creepy crawly parasites that infest yeah. the a yoju is a residual kaiju. Oh, uh, okay. Whether it fell off the kaiju's body or it followed the kaiju through whatever mm -hmm. thing allows them to to enter the reality or so um they're they're secondary kaiju. This yoju bursts from nowhere. And Kafka sends Reno away. He's like, go, go save yourself. Get out of here. It, this is very, very dangerous. Um, so he tries to, to fend the beast off himself, and he's wounded, right? So they're both taken to the hospital. And, and while Kafka's in the hospital bed, a kaiju, a flying kaiju, flies down his throat. And this is why... Matsumoto named the lead character as he did because Kafka metamorphoses. He transforms into a kaiju. And if you're a Godzilla fan, the movies particularly, when he trans transforms, he looks a lot like Monster X from Godzilla Final Wars. 
that will mean something to a very small member uh, listening uh, group. But it does. He kind of looks like Monster X. And then the story progresses. So now you have a guy that wants nothing more to join the Jap- Japan Defense Force, which hunts and kills kaiju, and he himself is a kaiju. And so the second half of the book is him trying to join, uh, pass the exam for the Defense Force, and he's struggling with the fact, do I use these powers? No, that's not fair. I can't do that. All these people studied and... and, and um trained very hard for this. I, 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 I can't. And in the process, he's a wanted man. But it's one of those, he's a hero because he saves people in this book. He's not, a, he's not a villain. He's not a terror. He saves people. But appearances are what they are. So the defense force thinks that he's a menace. He's a kaiju and he must be eliminated. It doesn't hurt, I mean, it doesn't help the fact that uh, his, his old friend, Mina, has a 100% success rate. If she hunts the kaiju, she gets the kaiju. You know where this is going, right? Just read it. it it's amazing. The, the, um, the drawing style is phenomenal, but it, it took me aback a bit because it's very clean. Um, if I have time, I'll talk another uh, manga book tonight that's the antithesis of this. It's not clean at all. But... Um, Matsumoto's line is very sculpted. He's precise. And there's a lot of destruction. There's a lot of rubble. And it's all drawn. He's not tipping in stats of cityscapes or, you know, taking shortcuts. Everything is hand-drawn. And it's amazing. Um, The characters, uh, the design of the characters, very sleek, very stylized. It appeared in Shonen Jump. So you kind of know the aesthetic of what's going on here, right? It's, um, th- there are, are some bits of experimentation in it, but it's very polished. It, it is what you would expect it to be in the pages of Shonen Jump. I thought it was great. Um, I hope it goes on for a, a, a long time. And I'll be there for every volume. I, l- I liked it a lot. Yeah, it looks great. Like I said, I mean, this this was born out of... Uh... Well, I don't know if you had already had it, but I, I, I bought it because, um, oh, sorry, that's my medicine alarm. Where the hell is my phone? I don't know where my phone is because I put it away because of... Uh, it's time to take my pills. It is time to take... Uh, <laughs> there's my phone. Sorry, I got my phone over in the corner so that wouldn't happen. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, but I, I wasn't aware of it until we started all riffing about uh, stuff we love this year. And uh, a few people were like, yo, got to check this out. It looked cool, so... It, it's it's uh, I mean the the relationships between the characters are great. Um, at first, Kafka doesn't want anything to do with with Reno. He, he thinks he's being uh, standoffish and he's um, thinks he's talking down to him and he's being ageist, right? But not he's not. And and it's it, the, the closeness of some of the characters is is very cool. And it's, it's only the tip of the iceberg because you'll see. Just read it. It's great. Love it. Yeah, and it's it's Viz, so it's it it goes down smooth. Of yeah. course it does. Yeah, I loved it. Nice. I have committed to keeping a log of everything I read this year. Yeah, me too. I'm gonna try it. Yeah, figure what the hell. 
because it definitely will make things like the Oclaskers easier for sure. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I I want everybody to remember the name Juni Ba. J U N I B A. No relation to Gabriel. Uh, but uh, but absolutely a creator. I think will be a household name in short order. It's my bold prediction. And it's funny how the world works because I was not familiar with Mr. Ba until very recently. And then uh, our good friend Brian Clark recommended a book, a graphic novel that came out last year through TKO called Jalia, which was written and drawn by Junie. And he talked it up and I took a look and thought, well, I don't know how I missed this piece of wonderful comic uh, last year, but I'm going to remedy that. Ordered it. Reddit was all set to talk about it, and I will. And then the world works in mysterious ways because then I'm like, where do I know that name from? <laughs> and and like, it's just, I don't, it's like uncanny, but this week, Today, in fact, as we record, Junie Ba's first issue of his new Image comic yeah. called Monkey Meat. And I had never put the two together because I remember seeing Monkey Meat in the solicits and thought that looks wacky and it ordered it, making no connection. You know, a few weeks ago when Brian Clark was talking up Jalea, that it was the same creator. But then once I did figure it out, I after I finished Jalea, I, I excitedly read Monkey Meat. And uh, and for the gentleman's first two, at least major published works to be this good, I, I shudder to think what he's going to be capable of in, in, in his in his coming career. It's it's incredible. So um, so Jalea, like I said, it was uh, put out by TKL. Uh, I believe it came out in June of 2021. Uh, and it was it just knocked me on my ass. And, and it. It's another, I mean, we say this all the time now, but I am just constantly fascinated at the idea that we spend so much of our time fixated on this hobby and this art form, and we each pour through previews, and we talk about all the stuff we're ordering, and then we share stuff that we read with each other, and our our community share stuff that they like, and somehow, some way, I wasn't aware of this book. <laughs> like, how does that happen? I don't like it's so baffling, but I'm so glad that... Uh, that we do have a community who can turn us on to each other with things because this was phenomenal. Julia is a must read. Um, it is. Uh, so I don't know how old Junie is. He looks relatively young, like late twenties, early thirties. Uh, he is uh, from Senegal. I believe he, I believe that would be Senegalese, but pardon me if I'm wrong there, but he is from Senegal. Um, and he wrote and drew it. He is uh, by his own admission, a huge fan of, um, manga and also he calls himself a Cartoon Network kid and if you have seen either this or Monkey Meat in Solicits or you've read the book you know for which he says is true because I think his art is very evocative of Tartakovsky which to me is an amazing thing I, I, I love Tartakovsky so um, and and in essence really what, what I think Dejelia looks like and reads like is um, Samurai Jack mashed up with West African uh, folklore 
and uh, sort of a little bit of Afrofuturism thrown in. Um, and I'm here for all of it. Like, it's a mashup I didn't know we needed, but now that I've seen it, I want a lot more. Um, the premise of Julia is it is he, it's it's a it's a fantasy epic that he made up. It is a story of essentially a hero epic. Um, it's somewhat of a post-apocalyptic world, but not in like the gloomy, doomy, we had a nuclear Armageddon type of thing. Like I said, the, the aesthetic here is very much Tartakovsky animation. Uh, everything is, it, it is Afrofuturism. It's, it's, there's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, print and, and, and tribal motif mixed in with uh, like nightclubs and, and high tech gadgetry. Um, it's, but it's, it's, it's an action epic essentially where you're following um it's a trio, but really the book is focused on a, a tandem of, of, of characters. Um, Awa, uh, who is, um, she, she's basically like her role is, is kind of like hype, hype man meets uh, spiritual guide meets, uh, you know, gal Friday to a prince named Mansoor and Mansoor is, um, a bit of an embarrassed guy because his kingdom uh, went to shit. His dad died. He couldn't hold on to the kingdom. So they're kind of almost like Ronin in a sense. Like he's, he's wandering, he's wandering around looking for purpose, trying to regain his, his importance. He's not really quite sure how, so he's kind of on, on a search for an Awa, even though she is his servant of sorts, she's really in many ways, the stronger character. She's incredibly capable She's deadly. She's smart. She's very much. Uh, she's very uh, outspoken and, and uh, uh, aggressively confident. Um, but she's incredibly loyal, and, and and everything is in service of of what she thinks is right, and 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 also helping him on his on Mansoor on his journey. Um, but it's just a fun book, man, and it's definitely like you can see the Cartoon Network vibe. You can see the sh- like it's like 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 shonen manga. It's it's you can see some tin tin in there. I mean, you can you can definitely feel. Junie's influences. I mean, I don't think he tries to hide them. They're they're very much there. It's a love letter to those things, but it's 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 drawn in such a way. I mean, it, it does. It looks like nothing I've ever seen in a comic before, and and I love that, you know. And and but not at the expense of the storytelling. And it was just an absolute total fun vibe, man. Like it, it's 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 different chapters. Some are flashbacks, a little bit historical. Some are set in in the current narrative, but it all leads to. Basically, they're trying to get um, to uh, the wizard, and, and I may be mispronouncing this because, admittedly, some of these uh, these these West African words I I, I I tried to find pronunciations. There's some actually in the back that he does give some pronunciations for some, but but uh, the, there's a wizard named Sum, I believe it's Sumaru, S O U M A O R O, and and they're trying to to he this wizard lives in this giant tower, and they're trying to get there and reclaim this power to help, uh, you know, find balance in the world. Um, but it's just, uh, it's just a riot, man. They get into lots of madcap adventures, meet lots of crazy, interesting characters around the way. Uh, a lot of the book is anthropomorphic, which is not uncommon, as you all know, from any, any, um, polytheistic folklore mythology, right? I mean, whether it's Norse or Greek or, or, or Roman, whatever your vibe is there, there's, there's, that is not unusual to see that the, the uh, anthropomorphic uh, characters, and and that's that's here too. I I know there's one particular splash page where you you come up against this. Uh, he's not the villain per se, but he's kind of the antagonist for them in many ways. Uh, this gigantic um, 
kingpin type of a character named uh, named um, Maban, and he uh, and he's he's a um, uh, some kind of wild boar, uh, African wild boar. But but uh, it looks it looks great. It read great, and uh, it's just this great mashup of so many fun ideas. Um, there's just there's there's tons of interesting fight scenes. Uh, and I just was totally surprised by it from from the start to the finish, and I just credit Brian for turning us on to it. And it's another feather in TKO's cap. I mean, when TKO launched, I know we all read uh, first books, and Sarah was a big hit for all of us. Um, and and admittedly, I kind of lost track of them. I you know through no fault of theirs, I, I just um, I wasn't paying attention to their more recent slate, and this brought me right back into the fold. And uh, uh, I, I'm hard pressed to believe that anything else they've put out recently is going to be as good as this because it was because Julia was terrific. But but man oh man, it was uh, tons of fun, huge thumb up, and um, you know definitely something that that works for anybody. It's it's even pitched as an all ages book, but I don't think that that is meant to imply that it's that it's uh, immature or G rated. There's it, this is definitely a book that that can and will be enjoyed by adults for sure. So uh, huge huge fan of it. And like I said, and then suddenly, like out of nowhere, I'm you know just discovering Junie's work with this, and then I see that that Monkey Meat comes out, and right on the front page of or the front cover of Monkey Meat, it says it's an anthology. Um, now that's interesting because because you there's nothing other than the the cover saying that that gives you the the impression that that this comic is an anthology. The 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 entire first issue is this really, I mean, unusual. Uh, narrative where basically there is a uh, a, a corporation that is a, an energy company and they have taken over an island and on that island they are making monkey meat which is uh, a, a, in this world a widely consumed commercial product uh, made by monkeys with monkey meat for consumption by all of us and they're also I guess working on this new product um, which is uses something called compound 216 and this compound has slowly over time mutated everything on the island including the human inhabitants as well as all the creatures that live there and as a result um, one of the people the local people they had uh, hired basically to provide protective services to has morphed from a relatively doughy quiet guy into this almost like a kaiju Vince, like this just over hulking kind of he-man like rageful uh, uh character and uh it, it's it uh, unlike unlike Jalea, which which has a, a clear narrative and arc this this first issue of monkey meat is much more experimental in its structure uh and, and it it feels very uh political particularly raging against capitalism but i'm but maybe I'm just reading into that because I'm looking for it. I, I, like, I'm not quite sure that's where he's going with this. I, I, maybe he's just using that as a backdrop to try and be funny. Um, like I said, he he pitched this as an anthology. So I'm, I don't know if issue two is going to continue this or not. I mean, the book is called Monkey Meat. So that's like I'm saying. And like, if, if I weren't, if I didn't see him call it an anthology, I would assume that the second issue is going to pick up where the first one left off. And we're going to just continue along this journey of this corporation that's trying to do, you know, do bad things uh, in the name of profit. Um, and we're going to we're going to you know, hopefully see them taken down or, or at least knock down a peg or two. 
uh, and get what they deserve. But but I don't know. I mean, maybe next issue is going to be completely different. That I'm, I'm not quite sure. Um, but I'm here for it because, again, the art style, that Junie's art style, while this is a totally different setting and and, a, and not at all uh, based in, in folklore, it doesn't have the same aesthetic, uh, I think his style, again, is, is terrific. And, and like I said, I mean, you can you just to me, he's very much evocative of of uh, of, of Tartakovsky. And, I, and I'm I think he looks great. He's he's I think he's a bright new cartoonist that we're going to we're going to see him do lots of awesome stuff over the next bunch of years. And uh, so remember the name Junie Ba and check out uh, of the two. I mean, I, I think Julia is really special. So I would definitely say and it's complete. It's finished. So I would, if, if you're just looking to try one, I would recommend that. But. Um, I definitely was like pleasantly and curiously surprised by monkey meat. Um, I, I didn't really quite know what I was going to get into um, when I opened up the pages and I'm left not much clear, but very intrigued by what I read. So, um, so kudos to him for surprising me in two very different ways, but both, both uh, I'm, I'm better for, for having read both of them. Monkey meat I- looks great. I'm I guessing through it earlier, but go ahead. Sorry. No, I'm guessing it's going to be like an ice cream man thing, where it's it's a uh, an anthology, but it's all under the same thematic umbrella, where each issue will be maybe different, but still set in the the bubble that is monkey meat, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm guessing that's that's probably the best way to to expect it to unfold. Sure. Right. And how much do you love me? You just got a Juniba Orama. Love it. Look at you. There you go. It's right there. I'm looking I at it right now. It. Yeah, it sounds great. I ordered it, um, but I lagged behind in the boxes, so we'll see when it gets here. It looks real good. It does. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if he drew Julia um, traditionally or not. I'm guessing not, just because I assume anyone that's a younger creator probably does things digitally. Um but I hope I'm wrong because I would love to own a page from this. I mean, some of these pages are draw droppers, I think. Nice. Yes. I out. <laughs> there is a. Um, I am, as far as, in addition to logging what I'm reading, um, I have decided to grab something from the various piles of things that have sat unread some for weeks, some for months and a few things for years. But, um, the first thing I grabbed, actually, it's not true. The second thing I grabbed, uh, is this little hardcover book published by first second, um, from 2015, it's a book called Mike's Place, and uh, the writers are Jack Baxter and Joshua Fadem, and it is illustrated by somebody that Jason's familiar with and uh, somebody I'm becoming a fan of based on his previous work, um, Corin Shadmi, who illustrated, who gave us The Highwayman and, and um, Bionic that I talked about last year. But um, this is a true story. Um, the subtitle is true story of love blues and terror in Tel Aviv. Now this isn't normally something that I would be clamoring to read or, 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 or see on some, see on a list or seeing previews and say, I got to get this. Uh, this was sent to me. I believe it was sent from drew. Um, 
and the uh, the art is fantastic. Anybody who's familiar with with Korn's work should know this, but um, it's 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 not necessarily a the bulk of the story isn't necessarily uplifting, um, but it's the people in the story that made me blast through all uh, two almost two hundred pages um, over over a couple of days. This um, and it's it's meeting in the sense that there are plenty of words, uh, but it does move along pretty quickly because of how they're telling you what happened um during these events in um in the spring in early 23rd in early 2003 um and the whole terror aspect is that uh there was a suicide bomber who uh went to mike's place but basically so 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 to set it up um Jack Baxter is uh is in Israel because he's um he's he's there to he's trying to uh he wants to tell a story about somebody who's um going to be uh who's on trial but because it's right before um it's the um the uh Palestinian leader Marwan Bergadi he was on trial uh this is April 3rd 2003 so we're talking about passover and the courts are closed on the high holy day so um trial's not going to resume for about two weeks jack's kind of scooped because there's a there's somebody else doing a documentary um she's got all her notes the cameraman is there so he's basically his story is going to get lost so so he's kind of he's ready to pack it in and go home but he goes to a bar on the Tel Aviv beachfront, uh, called Mike's place. And he, um, he makes friends with, uh, gal, the guy who owns the place and, um, and the servers and wait staff there and the bartender. So, um, he, uh, he becomes friends with Joshua and Joshua's going to basically be the cameraman and, and Jack's going to kind of, um, choreograph the whole thing and and uh, not necessarily direct it but basically as much as you can direct the documentary but um because mike's place is the one place that you know no no religion no politics all the baggage that people tend to debate or argue over that gets left outside the people who go to mike's place are just there because they enjoy music they enjoy a good time and um and that's why people go and that's what jack wants to uh focus on and we kind of get into the minutiae of of the lives of the people who who work and run mike's place um we find out a little, little bit about jack fran his wife uh he calls her from time to time and uh so we get like his side of the conversation on their phone calls uh joshua's girlfriend sasha shows up they've known each other for about a month and she decides to come to israel to spend time with them it's young love it's you can kind of tell it's fleeting it, it's all that 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 lustful attraction um the writers and corn really do a uh do a good job 
letting you know the way it, it's very easy to see what's drawn on the page and you just know what exactly is going on in people's heads. Um, there's a young woman, Dominique. She's French. She lives in Israel. She's a, uh, she's a pastry chef and she kind of wants to do her own business. Gal is in love with her. Um, she's not really feeling that way towards Gal. And there's a little bit of a, um, there's some, some tension because he's blind to everything. And, and she's talking to his best friend confiding in him. There's no, there's nothing going on between them, but she's confiding in him. And he's like, listen, you know, you're putting me in a tough spot. You got to come clean. So there's what I appreciated about this, this telling of this story is, is, is how we're really getting caught up in everybody's lives. So that when something major happens, it, it, it's not just, you just met them and it's okay. You shrug it off. I mean, there, there are, dozens of pages leading up to the event so you really get to know who these people are um and then we do get a little bit of uh there is some artistic license as far as because they don't the writers don't know everything that was going through um the bomber's head so they have to embellish things here and there and 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 years later there was a photo uh there was a martyrdom photo from the suicide bombers that uh that was released um so they the the creators of the story took that as as a springboard um and uh and the night of the bombing the two bombers show up and one of them does ignite um the other one it's not really clear and we can't ask him. Uh, we're not sure. He says he goes back and and says, you know, the the vest malfunctioned, and um, that's why it didn't go off. But the way it's drawn, it 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 looks as though maybe my man's got second thoughts and decides not to uh, go through with it. Um, and there are times where you think uh, the his crew were going to take him out for not fulfilling his, uh, his duty, but he ends up kind of just getting undressed and walking off the beach and in, into the water. And then they find him, um, miles upstream and, um, drowned. And, and, and that's the end of his story. But when the bomb goes off, uh, Jack is close to it. His, um, his, uh, his leg and arm are intact. He's basically kind of got some like organic shrapnel, if you want to call it that. Um, his face is a little banged up, but he's fine. At, at, after a couple of days, he comes to his wife shows up. Uh, so they're spending time together. Um, there were a couple of people at Mike's place who were killed. Um, Dominique loses an arm. Um, but the shock is too much for her, along with her internal injuries, and she doesn't make it, which, which of course, breaks Gal up. But uh, um, it, Jack and Joshua both decide, you know, yes, the documentary still needs to be made, and um, and we're going through with it. But it was um, it was a book where, again, not necessarily something that I'd I'd, I'd, I'd be jabbing at the bit to run out and read, but. Uh, 
I sat here and I, I couldn't, I couldn't stop. It, it's, it's whether it's the writers, whether it's Korn's art, uh, whether it's the characters, um, it's, it just, it kept me just plugged away and, and, uh, I couldn't put it down. It, it's, um, gal has a brother, his brother has Mike's place in Jerusalem. Um, and apparently since the story was told, there are other locations. I mean, I want to go to Israel just to visit Mike's place. It, it, it sounds like a great place. Um, yes, there are. And, and they even, they mention it in the book as, as, as the characters are interacting with one another, you know, people say, Oh, you know, of all the places to visit, you know, why'd you come to Israel? And they're, they, they have their issues. They're aware of their issues, but for a lot of people, it, it's, there are times where I feel like it might not be that bad because a lot of people, well, or at least the people in the story, some of them go through life and it's like, yeah, there was like, they'll find out from a relative overseas. That's like, Oh, there was a bombing. And, and, and the person lives in Israel. And they're like, okay. Yeah. It, it's like, they kind of just shrug it off. It's just a way of life. But, um, it's apparently the, uh, the good or the positive outweighs anything else that uh, that they would have to put up with on a, on a daily basis. But this was um, this was this was a really good story. I, I liked it a lot. It's going to uh, it's going in a care package, um, but it is it's it's something I'm I'm really glad I read as as uh, as dreary or um, upsetting as the subject matter may be. It's um, it was it was really really well done and and I feel like I know the people who who uh, who run Mike's place who 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 patronize Mike's place it, it it's a really well done book and uh, if if you get a chance to uh, to check it out if you're into the uh, the true life kind of uh, kind of books and and you know for a second's production quality. Um, I mean, I, I, it's a little short, hardcover book, complete with a dust jacket, um, and even the uh, the interior hardcover um, under the dust jacket. I I, I like the uh, I like the wraparound cover that has. But no, I think uh, I think it was well done. So Mike's place was something that uh, completely unexpected. Super glad I read it, and um, and yeah, I. I Subject matter aside, I, I think I'm starting off the year with um, good vibes as far as enjoying what I'm reading. Yeah, I mean, you had me a shot of me because the dude is great. I mean, yeah, like you said we uh, we both enjoyed the highway man, and then um, you know Twilight Man was the Rod Serling book that he did, yep. Humanoids, which I loved, and yeah, he's 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 a real talent. There you go. Nice. I'm going to talk about something that's not going to connect with either one of you, but I don't care because I love it. That's not to be nasty, but it's the truth. Um, this is going to mean nothing <laughs> to either of you. But uh, I got relatively caught up on Magic, the gathering from Boom. I think I'm still two issues behind, but the the series was written by Jed McKay and illustrated by Ig Guara, who's great, and f 
before you go on, just because, I mean, you're right, I'm not really into magic, as you know, but I will just say that, uh, you know, just in terms of having no connection to it, uh, during my video advent calendar this year for the patrons, one of the questions we, I got was, who did I think was a up-and-coming writer and an up-and-coming artist who I thought were going to be big deals but weren't household names yet? And Jed McKay was my pick. Nice. So, he, I think he's very good, and I don't know. Um, I long for the good old days when when we didn't really know much about the creators that worked on the stuff we love. Uh, but in this time of rampant social media, we all get inside peeks into the lives of the creators. But I know nothing about Jed McKay, and um, whether he's a fan of the game, I, I have no idea. But he either did. A substantial amount of research <laughs> to write this comic or he's been a fan uh i'm leaning towards the latter because um i don't think you can throw a property like this at a writer and say yeah get bone up on magic because you know you're writing the book or it, it, he may have petitioned boom to write the, i don't know i don't know what the deals are but he's very good and he's very convincing in the role of of the writer of Magic the Gathering because he knows his stuff. And uh, the, another uh, illustrator on these issues is French Carlo Magno with color art by Ariana Cossoni. And there's a special, one-shot special, written by uh, Margaret Scott and illustrated by a bunch of people. But uh, the... Um, I'm not going to go issue by issue because, again, it. I'm trying to make a point here at the end. So I'm just going to tell you what you need to know to get, hopefully, to my point. And it, the the part of the story is is a bit of uh, magic past, as in 1,600 years before the current events. And there there was a planeswalker named Jaya Ballard, and it shows her battle with the big bad the thing that's been behind the scenes for seven issues you initially we thought it was just a plot to to disrupt the the guild on ravnica and and take out a couple of uh, a trio of planeswalkers and kidnap jace bellran it's like so okay this is cool but but what's the goal here well you find out what the goal was the the goal jace bellran is a very, very um, powerful psionic telepath, big brain, and uh, arguably the, the most powerful psionic in the multiverse. And he was kidnapped in current events of the storyline. He was kidnapped to draw the attention of a... Uh, it's it's very i don't want to spill the beans it's it's this cosmic horror called merit lodge and the the pre the the past day stories showed this jaya ballard fighting this merit lodge and and she's a uh she has flame power she eventually imprisons this thing it's a demigod in ice and casts this this massive being into the blind eternities you don't know what that is and i'll tell you what it is it's the space between the planes kind of like the bleed she she throws this thing into the blind eternities to get it away from everybody because it's a super threat um merit lodge is not a planeswalker but she can 
traverse planes. Very, very dangerous. So present day, there's an abbot in this hall of hospitallers of the frozen heart and kidnaps Jace and only to use his brain to lure Merit Lodge back to the reality. And uh, the abbot tries to do what all good cultists do, and he tries to sacrifice Jace, and the uh, Kaya and Vraska and Ralzarek save the day, and, and they think they've won, and they're like, yay, we won, and the abbot's laughing at them because he knows the true reality of the situation. There, there's been rumblings throughout most of the issues about a comet that's coming oh, it's going to be terrible. There's a comet. I hope nothing happens. And, and they're all worried about this comet. It's not a comet. It's, it's Merit Lodge. It's the Queen of Madness, this thing they call the Icebound Mother. Um, and she's spiraling towards Ravnica. And then the one shot, you got Tezzeret the traitor. He shows up and he's acting all high and mighty. And it's like he's pulling the strings from the shadows or whatever. But the thing I want to make... Uh, the, the the parallel I'm trying to draw is one cannot overstate the importance of H.P. Lovecraft in something as far removed and innocuous as Magic the Gathering. Lovecraft is omnipresent. Like Merit Lodge looks like Cthulhu to a certain extent. Giant, multi-eyed, ten tentacles. Um, in, in the first card that I ever encountered, Merit Lodge. It was in 1995 in the Ice Age set. They do flavor text that doesn't pertain to the rules, but if if you're you're in the game for the 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 big uh, narrative, the the flavor text on the Merit Lodge card. There was two of them actually, but the one that I'm showcasing said, "Dread Merit Lodge lies dreaming, not dead." Like, what does that sound like to you? It sounds like Cthulhu, right? that Cthulhu slumbers under the sea and, and controlling his cultists from afar. And that's exactly what this this Merit Lodge does. And, and physically, she's a, 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 a mind-shattering mass of tentacles, right? Like Lovecraft's cosmic horrors, right? Um, she has cultists that she controls. And the, the one cult is, uh, it was a brine shaman. And what a brine shaman does is he'll anoint one of the flock with holy seawater. And the the acolyte transforms into this misshapen likeness of Merit Lodge. They're twisted, tentacled, multi-eyed, you know, barely human monsters, right? So you got the backdrop of the sea, you got cultists, you got this this cosmic horror from beyond the veil and and fish like humans. It's like Lovecraft wrote the map for this stuff. And it, it, it got me thinking where, again, about social media, how we know stuff about the people that uh, write the things we consume and enjoy and love. I can only imagine how, what a footnote Lovecraft would be if he lived today. Because people on social media would not cotton to a lot of Lovecraft's ideas or not in his well there's some in his stories but um, Lovecraft's uh, opinions about many things are not politically correct right in in fact he's he's racist so um, the and but that doesn't change my love for the guy 
I, I could not care less that he was racist I, because that I'm, I'm not in love with Lovecraft the man. I'm in love with his out his 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 written output, which to me is I would never want to be without it because I just I think the guy is one of the top what I don't even want to put a a, a, a number on the list but one of the most important writers that has ever lived bar none because he has influenced seemingly everything uh, to to certain extent and and this just proves it like. Yes, man, Magic the Gathering is a fantasy realm uh, or, or fantasy construct. A lot of the, the, the fantasy tropes are present in it. It's got a lot of science fiction uh, in it, too. But for the most part, it's a fantasy uh, mythology. And, and, and Lovecraft cloaked, obviously, barely. But Lovecraft pops up. It's, it just blows my mind. Like, I'll be reading whatever and... You get that that sense that either the the creators are a fan or have read and have been impacted by Lovecraft's work, and it's just it it just it's as mind bending as some of the concepts to me. That the reach this guy has from the grave is amazing to me. That he just continues to influence creative types, and you see it all over the place. And the one place I never expected. To see it, at least so blatantly, is Magic the Gathering. It's nuts. But uh, hey, bring it on, right? I'm here for it. That, that was the point I wanted to make. That, um, yeah, not exactly a nice person. But in terms of his creative output, uh, <laughs> I, I, he thinks he's pretty much unparalleled in terms of uh, influence. He's up there. That's my point. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's no different than I feel like we've had this conversation a lot in recent years about separating the art from the artist, and you got to be able to do it. Yeah. Well, well, sometimes you can, sometimes you can't. Yeah. I don't know if there's a blueprint for it. Um, no. You know, I mean, I mean, to your point about Lovecraft, the man, uh, we just had a a year ago a show on HBO steeped with his name in it, steeped in it, that was very much, uh, you know, a, a a show about starring people of color, right? Yeah, so, well, it, it, I thought um, conceptually it was it was amazing because they tried to take it back, right? No, that's what I mean, right? So, like, there's yeah. – I, I don't know. I don't have any way to prove this, but I thought that Lovecraft is one of those creators, though, who his influence is um, – it's not uh, direct anymore, meaning I feel like lots of writers use Lovecraftian – concepts imagery themes when i'm not sure all of them were deep readers of his work themselves that's what i'm yeah that's, that's another point his his yeah. his um concepts have permeated right, right. the zeitgeist to a point where they a lot of people don't that. even know where they're coming from right right exactly right. i mean how many of these metal bands have actually done the homework and read lovecraft probably not a whole lot Right, but whatever. I'm assuming, and I shouldn't do that. And uh, and again, it, it's just that road. It, you're right. We've been down it a lot, but in in this respect, I'm I'm totally unconcerned with with the man because um, I think we'd be surprised 
uh, and this doesn't justify my love for the guy's work, whatever. I think we'd be surprised uh, how many um, closet racists there are out there for the sake of their careers. But that's not a, a too relevant a discussion. Uh, I'm just saying that uh, it just staggers um, me that uh, he's managed to, I mean, from the grave too, the guy did not hit while he was alive. And I mean, that's probably uh, poetic justice in a sense that um, I don't know what his aspirations were. He he seemed to just write. He didn't seem to have, um, you know, trying to catch that brass ring. He, him and, or he and, um, yeah, I'm getting the, the TIA. Um, they they didn't want to become household names. They just wanted to do what they wanted to apply their craft. But it's 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 ironic that Lovecraft ascended to fame when he couldn't enjoy it, or he couldn't at least acknowledge it. So you know there there may be karma at work there. I don't know, but it's it's irrelevant at least to this part of the discussion. But yeah, Lovecraft in Magic the Gathering. It's nuts. Crazy. It is. Well, I think the most interesting thing about magic that you've talked about it is that, um, like, this isn't like adapting a Star Wars or even like a Transformers or something where there at least was a baseline of lore to build off of. Like, like you said, I mean, m- magic really—it's not like it's had like a any kind of narrative beyond the the game, right? So it's like. It's interesting that you can, that they're able to pull these concepts that clearly have a huge hold on a lot of people and have oh, yeah. for de- decades. But yet, like, but not in the case of of any kind of classic narrative. Just more of the the uh, the iconography of, of it is, and they and to draw that all together into a cohesive plot is non trivial. And it sounds like McKay's doing a good job of it. So. Yeah, and. Uh, on a lot of the Wiki, the the magic wiki pages, they'll segregate the Boom comic from the uh, Wizards of the Coast lore. Like they'll 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 if you if you looked up Jace Belrin, it'll give you all uh, pages and pages and pages of official Wizards mythology for Jace, and then it'll say this is the Boom uh, take on it, and on, in most cases. They're copacetic, which is usually that's not the that's not how it rolls. Where a writer will get on something, it's just like, yeah, I'm driving the bus. But um, the the uh, events in the comic, as laid out by McKay, are very faithful to the stuff that has come before, which is awesome. It's just good stuff. Yeah, for sure. And again, I feel like you're you're not the only magic fan out there that's enjoying the book too. Well, it's it's on its tenth issue, and there's no signs of it going away. They they have another one shot planned, and uh, you know, hey, strap in. Uh, and the thing that that makes me kind of laugh is I I like to pretend that I draw a line in the sand as far as the price of comics go. Like, oh, I'm not paying four ninety nine. Fuck this! No way am I paying four ninety nine for an issue. Every one of the magic to date has been four ninety nine or greater, <laughs> and it's I don't even think click. I get it. Yeah, 
Listen, we're in a, we're in an era where Little Caesars raised the price of their pizza, so prices are going up, y'all. Damn, it happens. I mean, listen, we we justify, we make excuses for what we want, man. It, it's yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the thing, I, right? It ain't like, no thing. It, it it's what makes you happy. I it, it could have been ten bucks. It's still a magic book, and it's still you know something. If it's tickling your toes, man, then I'm ain't nobody gonna scoff at you for buying what you're loving. So. I, you're absolutely right. Yes, there are times. I mean, we've been at cons, and and we'll walk by to a dealer booth, and and he'll have, he'll have, you know, oh, Seattle's a great example. All those world's finest books are one, and it's like, why are they five bucks? Why are they seven bucks? I, I and and then it doesn't matter what even kind of condition they're really in, because I just want to read them. But if I find the guy who's got them for you know a buck a pop, well then. But yeah, but it's still it's the same book. Why you? It it, it makes no difference. But it it it's only it's worth it if that's what you're going to pay for it. So it's all good. Yeah, I mean, uh, for me, like I buy for Kate because the example you're using. Who's Kate? I don't begrudge. I don't begrudge anyone from from spending whatever they want that they can afford on anything that makes them happy. Mm-hmm. But like with a con, I get frustrated or think it's worthy of mockery sometimes because that's a case of people overpaying. Meaning there's a market for yes. these things, yeah. And and you're either inexperienced enough, or your kid is begging for it, so you're getting kind of ripped off, and or you know like it's so a Disney that, effect. That, yeah, so that's illogical to me, right? Whereas like I wouldn't scoff at all if like a friend covets, you know, Hulk 181 and drops a couple grand on it and right. our heritage because it means a lot to them. Like that's because yes, that's a, a much bigger price tag, but you're 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 paying what the market is like you're paying the market price for something you want and hey then it gets again get back to your point like if it makes you happy and it gives you joy and it's not taking food out of your family's mouths then do it you know like i like i've really gotten like i used to be like i used to you know i used to make fun of the variant cover chasers or the slat like and i just like ah you know what like at some point it just stopped i'm like i it's just beyond hypocrisy for me to do that. Like, and again, not be like, I stand by the, like that example in particular, I, I stand by that. I think a lot of that stuff is silly because I don't think it's going to be worth what they're paying. But in a few years, but that being said, like if, it, if they're, if they're into it for the joy of it, man, then go nuts. Like if, the, if you're happy to possess that thing, I mean, I am, I live a lot of my life, but trying spending a lot of money to possess things. So I just can't, it, to me, it's like, if it if it makes you smile and you can afford it, that's, that's it. Gift. Yeah, then do it, yeah. man. Like you know, just if it makes you smile, that 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 is really all that. Matters. If if me seeing you smile, that just puts me in a better place than than me wanting to mock someone or scoff because you decided to spend money on that because I would never buy that. That's just that that's a stupid way of thinking. But no, it, it's yeah. Like if you hear about like a friend that like drops fifty grand on a on a book. You know, and then they and then they they get evicted. All right, well, there, there's an issue there. Like, all right, right. Then, you know, or if you're like, oh my, I, I got to send my kid to community college because I can't afford tuition. But you know, you'll check out this this new Jim Lee X Men page. I just like, <laughs> yeah, that's that's problematic. That's selfish. That's that's irresponsible. Like that's as the provider in me, and that you know that 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 feels wrong. Like that feels worthy of 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 derision or, or, or side eye, right? Like depending on if they're a friend or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, but I mean, if you're, if you know, if you're, if you're rolling a certain way and 
you know, you don't, you got disposable income, man. You do you like that. Like our life is doing that. Like I, you know, like I'm looking around. I got you know, book and art, and I got a fucking Seriously. box set of Robotech I just bought. Like it's like I don't need any of these things, but they make me happy. You know, right. and, and and I'm not. You know, the tuition the tuition checks are still getting cash, so it's all good. Yeah, you just made Jay Tomio squee. Yeah. Oh, the Robotech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's but, staring at me. I mean, I bought it a few weeks ago. Um, it's it's a beautiful. You know, collector's box set. I I just need to start cranking it out. I need to start watching it. Yeah, but if I showed you guys the art from this book, you wouldn't. And I, I mean, not knowing what it was about, you wouldn't think I would be down with it. Well, that it isn't. It's funny. So I mean, like I said, I I just recently, as I mentioned, gave McKay uh, propers. Um, I am surprised. I haven't seen this magic book other than the few images you showed us, but. I am surprised that you're vibing to that as much as you are, only because you mentioned it's Iguera, right? Yeah, it's very and, slick. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm a big fan of Ig's work from a nostalgia perspective because uh, is it a, is it a, I think it's a man, right? Is it? I'm not. I can't be sure of that, but um, but Ig, Ig's work on Pet Avengers, uh, which I read yeah. a hundred times to Holden when he was younger. Uh, it was I read it to him, you know, as a bedtime story so many times, and he was in his elementary school days. And, uh, you know, so that, that, that those two pet Avengers miniseries are just very much higher on my list than one would expect otherwise, because of the, uh, the, the connection I have with them from that perspective. And, and it, you know, it drew those. And, uh, I, so I, I'm a fan of, of Ig's work because of that, but I, yeah, it's, it's not exactly a style that I would pigeonhole you as, 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 as being, a uh, like a selling point. Yeah, it's very clean, very polished. Mm. Uh, but I will say, for what it is, for or, I would expect it to be, because they're going to try and make this book as uh, palatable to the fans of the game and beyond that. So I understand that it has to appeal to a relatively wide audience. I get it. But I think Ig is loaded for bear on this. He, or th- they. He. Okay, he. Uh, he's um, he's got his chops. He's very uh, adept with uh, creating fantasy type creatures. Uh, his humans are attractive, so uh, when they should be, and they're mm-hmm. disturbing when when they should also be. So I know I think it's visually it's 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 like watching Netflix, right? It so. helps that uh, he 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 loves playing magic too. So I mean, I, I think that that would probably come across when uh, when working on the book. And no, it, it looks good to my my eyes. Well, he uses Clip Studio, Vince. Oh, does he really? Yeah, on a on a Wacom Cintiq. Um, How about he's that? A punk rock lover. He's a punk rock lover and a dad. So he's like you know you if you were in Brazil. Um. No, his work is great. I've, I've, I was a fan of his on um, when he did the like, like Jason said with the Pet Avengers, but the Marvel Adventures line was uh, his name was always on those books. I, I like his style a lot. Yeah, I mean, if you feel like trying something new and you're down with the fantasy stuff, try magic. Why not? Nice. Yeah. The um, speaking of somebody who's drawing things that uh he loves or is familiar with see i i'd say that we could um vince doesn't like it when we 
throw it out there. So this probably won't be a TKO-O-Rama. But um, I finally read Pound for Pound, which is illustrated by uh, Andy Belanger, who is a professional wrestler and the main character in the story is a uh, she, she's an mma fighter but because of the fights and the choreographs it it it, it comes across that uh that my man knows what what he's drawing um well if i did a tko orama i'd have to squash jason's juniba orama to do why? it because the tko is within the juniba orama so how do i take Jalea out of that and retain the Junie Bao. You, you wouldn't have to. It's still, I mean, just because it, or it's parenthetical, but you'll you'll figure it out. The uh, the so pound for pound is written by um, and that I'm going to butcher this. Uh, Natalie Chades, uh, Andy drew it, and uh, Daniela Miwa colored it. Um, I do believe, unless it was mentioned in passing, but I think Jason talked about this book when it came out. But um, it is, as it's published by TKO. Um, I read this right before I read um, Mike's Place, two completely different works. Uh, But this was a, Pound for Pound is a, it would make a really fun action movie. Um, a little bit of Grindhouse. There's, uh, there's of course the fighting. There's, um, there's, there's, uh, there's some sex and and uh, there's a kidnapping. But our 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 main character, uh, Danny, she um, she's an underground MMA fighter. And our story starts off with her in the middle of a match. Um, and apparently she was supposed to throw this match. Uh, she didn't. And she ends up, uh, her, her, her mouth writes a check, her ass can't cash. And she, uh, she decides to get out of town. So she's going home to get her little sister. And, um, and just beat feet because the mob's going to be after her. But the mob follows her, get gets gets to her trailer right after she does. Um, and her little sister gets taken. And um, so now Danny needs to get after her. And and she um, she she's not going to rest um, until. Uh, until SB is found. And uh, so Danny goes to, um, she, she hangs out. Well, there's a, there's some flashbacks that happen as the story unfolds. Um, there is a, uh, there's a cop who's, um, kind of her boy toy. It's not exactly, he's no rocket scientist. Um, but uh Reynoso is sweet on Andy. Uh is sweet on Danny. Um so she's going to take advantage of his brawn, his um 
his ability to handle weapons. So so he enlists, she enlists him to help um, get uh, get her sister back, and she um, she also goes to uh, to Sal. Sal is a former fighter, uh, but he he raised. Danny, uh, Jesus Christ. He raised Danny and, um, and Espy. And when she, so the three of them now, they go to, uh, they go to the mobster's crib, uh, super big orgy happening at the time at, at, and when they get there to infiltrate the compound, um, and things don't go exactly according to plan, but, um, they end up escaping and also they leave with a lead so they're still on the uh, still on the trail and then there's a little bit of an issue where what Danny remembered when her parents died as they were crossing the border to get into the states um when uh what 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 Danny actually remembered or what she thinks she remembered isn't actually what happened. And then her world kind of falls apart at that point. Um, but it is, it's, it's a pretty funky story uh, in terms of revenge. Um, it's, it, it, it definitely reminded me of, um, of the banks, the other TKO book, because just, just the way it played out, just it, it's, it had its, ups and downs it, it it really had you on that roller coaster as as good stories do um but you know it's 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 a family in in a situation that they have to get themselves out of uh that they likely put themselves in um but it's as far as i'm concerned it was all about the journey the destination you kind of probably saw coming but it it, it it's how we got there was uh was worth it and um and and yeah this was really worth it i think um i i i like andy's style and uh and and this because of tko's style with with their uh with the format of their books they're slightly larger than than your traditional trade or even your single issues um i read the completed edition here but uh but no this like I said, this was great. and and then and then the, the the reveal for one of the big bads at the end was completely was just was was crazy because there's a whole there's a um there's a pork manufacturer and uh the person pulling the strings at the uh at the factory is completely out of left field. I never in a million years would have expected us to go down this route, but 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 we did. And uh, and it it works in this world in this story. It just absolutely made sense. You could anywhere else, you probably would have just been like, "Well, now now we've just completely gone off the rails." And and I was I, I could have kind of believed where we were going with some of the things, but but this but it absolutely works here. This was um this was this was just a lot of fun. It was crazy. It's violent. Um, you want to see people get hurt because there are some bad people in this story. Uh, and, and, uh, and then there's some funny people too, because there's, uh, when, um, when Sal and, uh, and Danny are crossing the border back, they, um, they come across this, uh, 
this group of um of what do they call themselves uh the patriot council and they basically are a bunch of white dudes who uh who think that um they just want to keep america pure and and uh but it turns out uh their their plan because they're going to torture and and uh and make sure that uh that Sal and Danny don't uh, don't dirty up American soil. There's a uh, there's a little bit of a twist that uh, that Sal reveals, which put a smile on my face because it's one of the it it was a nice moment in the middle of all this. Um, holy crap! What the hell's going to happen? It was it was a nice little uh, smile smile inducing moment in this. Uh, in this story, but no, I, I thought it was a, um, I thought it was great. I, I kind of kicking myself for dragging my feet. Cause I ordered this, um, right around when, uh, when the lockdown started, I ordered this and, and sentient and, uh, red sentient love that. Didn't think I would not like pound for pound. I'm just bummed that, uh, it took me so long to read it, but I'm glad I did. And, uh, I dug it a lot. It, it's, it's, if, uh, if you see it when uh, you're out and about and, and uh, you're looking for things to purchase from t- whenever TKO has their sales and, you know, you're looking for something else to uh, to add on your list when you order Jason's book, um, throw this on there as well. There you go. TKO, TKO, There's T-K-O. A, lot of, a lot of gold buried in their catalog. Yes, sir. Yeah. And then there's also uh, Simon Kodransky. But anyway. Oh, see? No, he's right. No, no, he's he's exactly right. I, you know, if he said any, virtually anybody else, I'd be like, oh, why you got to be like that? But he said Simon Kudransky. Dude's a pox. So he should wow. just go away. Wow, we just brought it down. We're all vibing about great stuff. Oh, no. Know. Hey, uh, no, we're keeping it real, my so man. I'm talking about his, I mean, we're not talking about his work, but yes, you're right. You're right. Yeah, keeping it real. All right, we'll keep it super real. If you want to get your books, get them fast and delivered right to your door. Where do you go? Where do you go? Where do you go? Discount Comic Book Service, DCB it's Service. Yeah. I have no books in the basement anymore. <laughs> not <laughs> no, not after that last time. Nope. Uh, where do you go? Discount Comic Book Service. DCBService.com. Got, got the books you want at the price you want to pay. Write these down. Godzilla versus Power Rangers, number one. Freddy, I want to hug him and kiss him all day long. Three ninety nine cover price. You can have it for $1.99. ZVRC, and that's Zombies vs. Robots Classic, with new stuff from mm. Ashley Wood and Chris Reel is uh, $1.99. How, I, I don't want to interrupt. Actually, I do. Uh, how weird is it? Well, it was weird for me to see Chris's name in the image section of, of previews. Yeah, a little strange. But, yeah. I mean, these... I mean, it makes sense. Right. Weird, but yeah. These were back in the day, but they were published by IDW. So, yeah. I mean, I have them. But I'm still going to buy this. Be- if you're going to dangle a new Ashley Wood carrot in front of me, I'm going to clip-clop, chase it. Where was I? Oh, yeah, from Seven Seas, it's Witches. The complete collection Omnibus by Daisuke Igarashi is nineteen ninety nine cover price. Ha, ha, ha. You're laughing because you're going to pay thirteen ninety nine. That's 30% off in your travels. I'm going to bookend the manga from the 
head of the episode with another that may or may not factor into my Oklaskers. I don't know. We'll see. It is written and illustrated by Q Hayashida, and it's published by Seven Seas. I talked about the first volume uh, a while back. It's Die Dark Volume 2. I don't know if you guys remembered the rub about Die Dark, but the the kid, Zaha Sanko, it is rumored that if you possess his bones, your wish will be granted. So he's a wanted man. He's on the run. Everybody's trying to get him. That's not the point here. This is a bit of downtime from the chaos of the first volume. And when I say downtime, um, this is like downtime in Johnny Ryan's prison pit. So not so down, but there's adventures not pertaining to the, mostly not pertaining to the hunting of of uh, Sanko. There's a sh- uh, Sanko's ship, the the mo. It's either Moha or Moja. I'm gonna say Moja because it is Japanese. The ship is. It it looks like uh, something that. There's a vinyl artist named uh, Placebo. Guy's name's Bob Conge. The ship looks like something Bob Conge would design. It's a pig, but not a pig. It, it The body looks like a pig with the tail lopped off, squared off, and the feet lopped off, and the head is a skull with fangs, and it's just it's gruesome looking. But when they go on away missions uh, to make Dap happy, the uh, Moja has a little mojalet, like a little piglet, and it's connected to the ship with a tether that goes in its butthole. <laughs> so, and and the entrance to the ship, they walk through the pig's asshole to get into the ship. And so they're, they're tooling around, and they're in the ship, and, and Moja's like, yo, my dude. Are you going to get any furniture for this ship? Like, there's nothing around. He's sleeping on the floor. There's nowhere to sleep. You don't got a desk. What are you doing? So they basically go to an Ikea in space. There's this almost derelict floating shopping mall called Marutech 44. Almost literally, literally an Ikea in space, right? And their shopping cart is this spider-like, maybe like a scorpion. It has multi-legs, and they ride on it like a scooter. And they're taking things, and they're putting on the shopping cart. And the the workforce of this shopping center, they're zombified humans. They, they've, their brains are exposed. They have some kind of a, a device jammed into their, their heads, and they're just working themselves to death and they if you ordered something you get the tag and whatever you scan it and they take it and they bring it to the pickup area these these rotting shambling mind addled humans and what happens to these humans when when they they burn out when they're no longer viable um, part of the workforce they throw them in the basement and they're just bodies and bodies of of rotting humans, once humans, in the basement of this shopping center. And the one of the caveats of the book is that Sanko 
collects bones and he uses the bones as currency for when he goes through the black hole and, and procures weapons. So his buddy, Shimada Death, is like, yeah, let's go into the basement. I can take you there and you can have all the bones you want. Problem is, whenever the the Marotech 44 shopping center gets the slightest hint of, of wrongdoing, the self-destruct sequence is initiated. So that was something that Shimada didn't tell young Sanko. So they're they're grabbing the bones and the and the, the auto-destruct is is initiated and it's a race to get out of this thing. Um, and you should see it looks like HR uh, Giger designed a lot of the uh, shopping center because it's it's not clean floors and white walls. They're gaping wounds in the side of the 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 corridors like in the first alien movie those those nasty vagina like or cervix like corridors that the you know the crew of the Nostromo were going down that's kind of what this looks like everything in in die dark looks like it's either decayed once living or just it it's dark and disturbing it like i said it's the antithesis to uh kaiju number 8 um uh hayashida's line work is is scratchy to the point like the marks would not be uncommon to see on the inside of a lid of someone who's been buried alive bloody ragged finger scratchings on the wood that's what his line work looks like it's gorgeous to me uh but uh, again the first time i talked about this you know that sanko loves meep switches What's a meep switch? Well, he was once known as meatball spaghetti as a kid. His favorite thing to eat is meep switch. It's a meatball spaghetti sandwich. Meep switch. And out of the blue, Hayashida devotes multiple pages to the making of a meep switch. So you have all this chaos going on. And it's like, ah, let's take some time to show the readers how zaha's favorite food is made and it's bizarre and it's amazing and it's a bit on the foodie side because he takes great pleasure in doing every single step in the 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 creation of this meep switch like he's got to bake the bread and he's got to put water whatever in the powdered meat and make the meatballs first and he cooks the meatballs and it's ridiculous it's so silly and comics should be this right it is way left field but it is amazing um there there are other characters introduced in this volume uh some we haven't seen in the first and uh, the author calls zaha and his dark peggy avakian and shimada death and the new character he calls them the four little shits that's how they're listed in the contents uh, in the the character pages. These are the four little shits. So you know, it, no holds barred. Like it's totally off the rails, but I love it so much. Um, Die Dark Volume Two by uh, Q Hayashida from Seven Seas. It's probably one of my favorite things going now. I see what you mean though about the juxtaposition of this art style against right. Yeah, I wanted to do the dark and the light. Because that's that's what I'm about. This is very very dark. Yeah, yeah. 
um, one of the characters literally explodes on the page. But he doesn't die. And they find the pieces later on in the story. It's like, that thing's moving. And it's like part of a spine with some some cartilage and muscle hanging off it. It's really dark. It's in the title, right? You got to expect it when the book is called Die Dark. And I think it's, it's not uh, a coincidence that die in the Japanese language means something very different in ours. But it's fitting, right? It's a great book. I love it. Whenever a new one comes out, I just have to just rawr, eat it right up. Like a, like a meep switch. Yeah. Oh, man. Dragon. Um, and your travels. Uh, read the third issue of a righteous thirst for vengeance realized um i don't think we talked about it after the first issue um and it i'm not gonna really i don't want to spoil anything as far as the story goes or 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 tell you give my impression or, or or guess as to who the players are that uh where they might be going uh after the first issue I basically just want to um, talk about how great uh, Rick Remender's story is, but how awesome Andre Lima Arujo's uh, art is um, in the story. Because it's little things like um, in the second issue, when we, um, after, it's hours after, hours later, from the events of the first issue, but uh, our hero um, goes home and we find out that uh, he is part of, or he appears to be part of a network of, uh, of hitmen um, taking their cases, t- taking their assignments on the dark web. But what's um, when our, uh, I'm gonna call him Mr. When, because that's the name the receptionist gives when he goes to visit his mom at the nursing home. But uh, when Wen goes home so he can get the dongle and set everything up so that he can get his next assignment, he pulls the uh, the multimedia cabinet away from the wall because of where everything is hidden. And even like the next couple of panels, there's still apparently he's done this enough times because like Andre's drawn the the cracks and scratches on, on the floor, but you know, it, it's little things like that, that I just, that, that I found my eye drawn to. And, and, and I appreciate the, the lived in feel, um, of this world and the repetitive motions that, uh, that the characters may, may do. I, there's the, the assignment, the contract that, uh, that he accepts in the second issue, um, is a rather, uh, attractive young lass who is has a hit on hit on her um but of course before he uh he goes for the assignment we're introduced to a detective who is on the scene from this the events from the first issue with the with a couple that was murdered um and i have a feeling this detective may not may not be on the up and up, but then his his partner uh, comes jogging up 
the uh, the driveway, and he uh, the uh, what you call it? Um, we're gonna say the guy who I don't think is on the up and up, Detective Kuro. He he leaves his partner Isaac. Um, he lets him know, listen, we've already case the joint, everything's clean, we're good to go. Nothing to see here. Meet you back at the office. But um, Isaac notices something that uh, Kuro might have missed or intentionally missed or just ignored. And uh, so now, I said, there there are some other players that uh, might get involved in Nick's mix. And I still, you know, I the events, the third issue, I have a feeling... I know how some of it's going to play out, but I'm not going to be upset if I'm completely wrong and 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 we end up uh, zigging instead of zagging. I, I it's it's weird to say it's a fun little book, but it, it's 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 not really like anything else I'm I'm currently reading, and and I look forward to reading it um, after everything else that I've read and I, I, I get through whatever else I have from, from the DC best box. And I get to, the, I, I, I enjoy this. It's, it's three issues in, but it's still something that, uh, that I'm looking forward to. It, it's, um, because it was so late in the year, I can't say it's, it's going to be a mile classes. I mean, Andre, maybe my breakout star next year. I don't know, but it, it's, I, I'm liking the book a whole hell of a lot. Um, it's, uh, it's it's up there as one of my favorite remainder books uh, at only three issues in, but um, but yeah, I mean, the, the the characters they're introducing, uh, the way some of the characters are so beyond fucked up, especially this asshole in the third issue. I just I'm yeah, it's 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 weird to get excited or look forward to a book like this, but but I definitely do. So in your travels. If uh, if you haven't started yet, get yourself a Righteous Thirst Vengeance. Nice. You know, uh, my heart grows three sizes anytime uh, one of you sings Rick Rick's praises. So that pleases me. Um, in your travels, uh, I want to talk about Eric Kennedy for a minute. So uh, Eric has had a fascinating, at least to me, comics career he um he's done a lot of comics like more than you may realize but he's done a lot less comics than i wish he has done because he very openly uh gets bored and goes in and out so he you know he's he's done um uh, he had a an image series called run love kill which he co-created he's done Iron Man Enter the Mandarin with Joe Casey. He did a, a really fun Luke Cage miniseries years ago with John Arcudi. Uh, I think the most recent thing he did was uh, Volume 2 of the Chrononauts with Mark Miller. Um, I think the first time I ever saw him do a comic was The End League right. by Mr. Rick Remender. Um, back in the Dark Horse days before Rick was all image all the time. Um, but regardless of whether you're familiar with the comic work, if you're on the con circuit ever... You certainly know Eric because Eric is a fixture at cons and he is without question one of the go-to um, original art guys. You know, he's he's one of those commission artists that is um, – it's pretty hard to, like, 
be heavily into commissions and not eventually own an Eric piece. Definitely like a, a badge of honor. But also more importantly than that, he's one of those artists that if you know other artists in the business, they speak of his name and talent with reverence. You know, they're, they're, like you can't find an artist uh, at an artist alley that doesn't think Eric is an incredible illustrator. Uh, and he he does lots of other things. Like he owns a, uh, you know, he's a he does um, art design. Uh, he owns a, a firm, you know, doing that. Like his shoot job does animation and stuff. So like he he's got his hands on lots of things, and it's because he gets easily bored. But anyway, I bring this up because. I've gotten to know Eric well over the years. Um, I'm a big fan of him personally and professionally. Uh, you've heard us mention his name quite a lot. I have 11 pieces of his art in my collection, so he's definitely up there in terms of like the people I have the most art from. Um, in fact, he was he's a, he's a listener of our show. He's he was a, a former patron. Maybe become a current patron there, Eric, but um, former patron. Um, but either way, he launched uh, his own creator-owned project last year. And um, he's the first creator to get me to do an Indiegogo book because I'm generally not a fan of Indiegogo versus Kickstarter because, um, you know, if something doesn't get fulfilled, like if, if someone's trying to raise $12,000 on Kickstarter and they don't raise the 12000 they don't take our money and it doesn't get funded. If Indiegogo, if you're trying to raise 12000 and you only get 11000 you still pay the 11000 And the problem with that is, Right. If a creator needed the 12,000 to put their book out, um, you know, and they only get 11, like they have my money and I may never get the project. But I knew Eric wouldn't do that. I knew he's he's incredibly professional. So I, I, I wasn't worried about that. So I, I signed up for an Indiegogo account to back um, Arc Athena. That's A-R-C-A-T-H-E-N-A, Arc Athena. Uh, it's a project I know he's been very excited about for a long time. And I figured um, I kind of backed it sudden scene, meaning that. I wasn't sure whether the story would be, you know, all that interesting or not. Like, it didn't really matter to me. I figured at worst I was supporting someone who's been supportive of us. And I'm such a fan of his art that I would I would get a book full of great art. So, like, I thought there was very little downside. But I got to tell you, uh, the first volume arrived um, uh, maybe a week ago, a week or two ago. And it is awesome. Um, so, it's... He's doing it in an interesting way. He's doing it in the European way. It is um, a 64-page hardcover. So, like, European Bon Dessinée sort of um, uh, serialized style. But it's volume one of four. So, instead of, like, putting, um, you know, a couple miniseries out, he's doing basically what amounts to... It's 44 pages of... I think it's 44 or 46 pages of story. And there's a lot of extras like uh, the character designs and some notes about um, world building and stuff. But it's basically two comic issues worth of content in a hardcover. And like I said, it's one of six. So when all is said and done, I guess we're going to get about it'll be about the size of a 12 issue maxi series. Um, you know, and again, it's going to probably be a while because because I'm assuming this is we're going to get maybe one or two of these per year. And then whether he has plans to collect the whole thing or I, that I don't know. Um, he, maybe he doesn't even know yet. But anyway, what is Arcathena about? Well, this is Eric's love letter to all the things that he loves about superhero comics. Um, it's basically a gigantic superhero meets kaiju action comic. Um, and 
if you know Eric's art, you can imagine what that looks like. I certainly can't do it justice using just words. But um, the name, Arc Athena, refers to one of two teams that these books are about. This Arc Athena team is the... It's the uh, team that the world loves. It is like your Justice League where uh, all the heroes are super popular. They uh, do commercials. They have popular podcasts. They they tour. They're, they're celebrities. They're celebrities. They're people not just root for them to, to take action and help save the world. They love them as, as, uh, as celebrities. And you've got... Um, and they're all good-looking as a result, as you would expect. You've got Cyan Flamingo. You've got uh, who's basically like your winged uh, character. You've got Undisputed Phoenix, who is uh, a looks like a, a, a Mexican luchador, even with resplendent with an Aztec belt. But that gives them the ability to uh, to uh, grow, basically like um, like like an Ant Man or a Giant Man. You've got uh, a Sonic powered beautiful woman named killer performance the leader is named divana who's this uh tall amazonian uh black woman with long blue hair um and she's you know your captain marvel type can kind of do it all strong fly energy all that stuff you've got gogo gossamer who is uh a uh, uh telekinetic but they use uh daggers so uh basically just you know, almost like a walking tank, just just can destroy tons of stuff. And then you've got Heavy Gun Havoc, who's your obligatory uh, uh, cybernetic weapons battle person. You know, maybe the Wolverine of the group. And and these these people swoop into battle, and cameras follow them, and they live stream to hundreds of millions of people, and are the adulation of everyone. Um, but while they're doing that, there's an entirely different team named Arc Poseidon. And they are the, uh, you know, more of your X-Force. They're the ones that do the dirty work, that aren't afraid to kill or, uh, you know, are certainly not uh, in any way interested in celebrity. They're just interested in getting the job done. They're led by uh, this commando dude named Gristle. There's a character, Vince, named Hypersexual. She is a very fetching cyborg with four arms. And her power is she basically can arouse anyone into a state of euphoria and essentially that distracts them and she can then use her forearms and swords to cut them to pieces while they're in the throes of ecstasy i'd be uh, dead i'd be dead oh everyone who wouldn't be that's the point right you've got and i think these characters have cooler names in the uh than, than arcathena probably by design you've got bric-a-brac who is this uh 15-year-old kid who has a symbiote costume, basically, that, uh, that but the, it's not like a Venom symbiote. It's this green snail-like symbiote that uh, lets him wreak havoc. Uh, Golden Iris, Red Wasp, who is this badass uh, speedster who can shift time and make duplicates of themselves and has ninja powers. And then my personal favorite, the one that I saved the best for last, Old Man Strength. Hmm. That's the name of the character, Old Man Strength. Now, if you're an old man, or you know that like, old man strength is, you know, this idea that uh, these these old dudes have like uncanny strength. You look at them, they don't look like much, but then they can, they they just they're a lot stronger than they look. And that's this old man strength is this bearded, almost looks like a dwarf, kind of like Puck with a beard, um, but he has got these gauntlets that have uh, mystical beings trapped in them, and it gives him old, it gives him incredible strength. Um, so you know, like this is again Eric's love letter to superhero comics. So these are. Um, 
I, I, you know, these are these are uh, analogs of different icons that we've seen lots of times in superhero books. But the cool thing is, is Eric drawing these, battling a never-ending swarm of alien invaders, including some massive kaiju that they have to uh, just do a lot of gory damage to kill. Um, and it was just great. I mean, this is not this book isn't this isn't gonna you know you're not digging deep here. This is pure unapologetic action that is clearly a mashup of Eric's love of uh, of American superhero comics and uh, and, and Japanese uh, action tropes, much like your your Ultramans and the like. It's it's really a mashup of those two things, which are two of his big influences. And uh, I thought it was an absolute hoot. Uh, page after page, just draw dropping visuals. Uh, you know, great powers, great uh, illustration of, of of these beasts that they're fighting, um, and and it does come to a head where the celebrity team um, fucks up, you know, and and gets gets some some innocent people killed in the name of um, showmanship, and that doesn't sit well with Gristle and the uh, and, and the Poseidon team who are just all about the mission and not about the glory, uh, and. Um, and then we're we're left with I think a very uh, enticing but satisfying cliffhanger where we've gotten forty four pages of, of of this epic global battle where they barely win and it and and uh, you can imagine that since this is volume one of six we very much figure out that uh, that's just the tip of the iceberg like this was round one you know it's evocative of like in Power Rangers where you know they they fight the the bad and then of course you know that uh, you know that they're just there's another bad coming next week that's probably stronger and faster and smarter. Um, and so that's really the, that we're going to get here. And next volume is Dawn of this first volume is called neon gods. Next volume is called Dawn of the monsters. And, uh, I loved it. I mean, I'm not surprised I loved it because I'm just a huge fan of Eric's work, uh, his art style. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I the only thing and why I say to free your travels is that I don't know how you're going to get a copy of this. Um, it like I said, it was it was a Indiegogo. Uh, it got sent to me in this gorgeous box, and the box was like printed with Eric's artwork on the box. Hard, uh, open up the box inside is the hardcover. Um, I know he's going to do subsequent crowdsourcing for volumes two through six, and I'm sure in those vol in those campaigns you'll be able to get the first volume. I assume I'm presuming you'll be able to get this book from Eric directly at uh, any con he attends, which he's part of the Essential Sequential crew. But I couldn't find online anywhere you could readily buy this. So I don't know if Eric's listening or I know if he hears of it. Maybe he can let us know a way that you can get the book. I would definitely get the book if you're at all interested in superhero action stuff. This is a no-brainer. Um, but uh, but until I can follow up with you, I'm not sure if you didn't pre-order it that you can get it. So uh, you'll have to take my word for it for now. But uh, be on the lookout for Arc Athena. And if we ever get past this whole COVID world and we all start going back to cons again... Uh, if you see Eric's name uh, tabled, then by all means swing by the table and try and get a copy of this because it's awesome. It looks great, and I'm pissed off that I can't just click on a link and buy a copy. Yeah, you know, that's a weird thing about some of these crowdfunding. I mean, I know we make fun of some of them because they show up in previews and like an image a couple months later, but that's kind of nice at least because then if we talk about them, people can get it. This is one, like I said, I mean, I intentionally saved it for your travels because I just don't, I don't know how people are going to get it unless you already ordered it. So. See that that boggles my mind because with a name like his and uh, an ability to to match, right? You would think, I'm sure that he there was an overprint 
right? He just didn't print. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure. So, like, yeah, I want it. Where do I get it? Tell me how to buy it. I'll throw money at you. Yeah, no, I, I know. I mean, that's the thing. I, I uh, yeah, I'll, ping, I mean, I'll ping, um, I'll, I'll ping Eric and I'll, I'll ping Jason Schachter, uh, and ask them, you know, maybe, maybe I'm just missing it, but like, I went to Eric's website, which is ericanetti.com, and there's a whole tab for Arcathena, but it's really just a tab about the Indiegogo campaign and the backstory of creating characters and producing the book. And, um, I just, I don't see anything that says buy here. So, uh, right. I'm with you though. I have turned my back on lots of Indiegogo stuff just because of the platform. Yep. Yeah. And, and like I said, I mean, this is the only to date book I've broken my rule for. And, and, and it took a care. It took a creator like Eric to, to make that happen. I, I, you know, I, I would do this kind of thing for, you know, if Lemire was doing it or, uh, or, or Teo Scalera, you know, there's a yeah. short list of creators that I just adore enough and also know are professional enough that I wouldn't worry about the fulfillment aspect. But yeah, I mean, I, and look, I mean, let's also be, let's, let's be real. I think probably unfairly Indiegogo also has a bad rep for some because it's associated with, with, with the Gators. Yep. Now it's associated with the Gators not because of the platform, but because it just so happens that the some of the more prominent Gators had big successful campaigns using Indiegogo. But uh, like in other words, I don't think Indiegogo in any way, shape, or form is like pro Gator, other than that they don't discriminate no, I'm, off but, the platform. But it it is the, it, for me the whole thing is they keep your money if the campaign isn't funded, and and Correct. that's yeah. I'm not and. It's, I might be absolutely down with the, and there's no reason to think that, you know, Eric wouldn't have fulfilled it and, and wouldn't have, have come through on, on the rewards, but I, I I'm not going to take it. Yeah, that. no, no. And look, I mean, we're having that conversation right now with, uh, with an, another, um, an, another platform that is launching yep. that, uh, uh, well, we can talk about it. I mean, it's the end of the show. Um, Jay Gonzo, our, you know, our friend and long, long time. Uh, friend of the show, we've had him on the show a couple times. He, he's he's launching uh, Lamano del Destino Volume Two, which I know we're all very happy to. to I'm very happy that that's happening because I love. Uh, we all love the first volume very much. Um, and uh, Gonzo is launching it on a. Uh, he's not doing. He did Kickstarter for the first. Uh, he is not doing Kickstarter for uh, this time. He's doing it on a platform called Zoop Z O O P, and it's a brand new platform. Um, and it's 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 founded. It, the the good thing about it, I guess, is that it's uh, for it's by comics creators for comics creators. It is a crowdsourcing platform built from the ground up solely for comics, which uh, I'm not mad at. I think that's that's great. Um, but with it, it is an entirely new platform. We don't know much about the company. We don't know how well funded it is. We don't know you know how reliable they are. We don't know their theoretically they will do the logistics fulfillment for their creators which is the big draw and, and if i was a creator I, I totally get that as an appeal versus kickstarter which just says like good luck um so i get that and hopefully it will turn out really well for jay um but it's another thing where it's like you know it is i realized that kickstarter at one point was something none of us had heard of either so i'm not going to say it's insurmountable to to do another platform but you know people do kind of have like this mental once something hits critical mass, you, you find yourself saying, well, I already have a Kickstarter account, and like, it's just easy for me to back something on that. But do I really want to 
give another company my name and my credit card and all that. Like, and you know, it's really not that big a deal. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, how many different companies do we give our credit card information to and buy stuff from? I get that, but but there is, a, I think it is, it is. I hope the pursuit of these other uh, crowdsourcing venues is worth the what I think is probably loss of upside opportunity, right? Like whatever you would have raised on Kickstarter, I have to think you're raising less on these other platforms. Maybe I'm wrong, you know. Maybe I'm totally off base because it's not like I'm trying to raise money. But I, but I, I just like personally would. It's just the friction of backing something on Kickstarter is so much less in 2022 than the friction of backing something elsewhere. But uh, but you know, I still think, you know, people need to do what they what they think is best for them. And hopefully, I, I hope all these projects get backed and are successful. But uh, but yeah, bit of a tangent. But I just I, I do think it's an interesting time because I understand that there's always it's always good to have alternatives. But as a consumer, sometimes that can be a pain in the ass. I concur. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right, everybody. Hey, thank you for being here with us. If you would do all of us a solid, please, if you haven't done so already, fill out your 11 o'clockers because it's very important, uh, not only to the show, but ah, screw it. It's important to the show. That, that you do this so we can get a, a nice robust amount of, of entries and make mm-hmm. it, you know it's cool just do and it and remember the more entries we get the higher the prizes that yeah drawing. yeah I was going to go there so you no that's cool you can get stuff out of it uh, Jason has set up tiers that if you know we get 100 this is what you can win if you get 200 you can win this it's awesome so just do that fill out the uh, 11 o'clock uh, O'Klosker's ballot, go to our website, 11o'clockcomics.com. There's a link there. Even if you like one thing out of all of them, add the one thing because you could tip the scales in favor of that one thing just by voting for it. Woohoo! Uh, if you want more of the 11 o'clock experience, such as it is, go to Twitter and Reddit and Instagram and Facebook and download this shit from iTunes and Spotify. We're all over the damn place. We're like horse shit. We love, we love you. Uh, so in the, in the meantime, welcome to 2022. Stay a while. We'll have lots of good stuff for you. Some surprises in store. And say goodnight. That was the metal version. Do you like that? Thanks, Bruce. <laughs> no, I wish. I wish I sung like him. <laughs> You'd be talking to somebody totally different right now if I could sing like Bruce. Oh. Woo! David. Good night. When I was setting up the uh, the computers in the classroom today, I had the uh, the AirPods in and uh, blasting a random Maiden playlist. Nice. Yeah, it was a good time. I'm not too fond of the new album. I'm so- I'm sorry. My my playlist is mostly the classics, David. It it's just nice. I, I I know what I like, but um, but I do have to uh, think. Or Boo Caleb for uh, sending me a uh, a three album live Maiden. Uh, well, three disc live Maiden vinyl album set that will be played as soon as uh, we get the cabinet to put the turntable on. What? I'll I'll send you a picture of it. I, I it, it's downstairs. 
but yeah, it was recorded live uh, over three nights. No, I'm, you're waiting for a cabinet to fire I up. I have the... to because yes, I don't have. I, you could put the turntable table anywhere. I. <laughs> I know I Fuck can. it! No, put it I, put it right I, on the coffee table coming into the living room. Put it right there, and if she if she has a problem with it, you just have her come to me. <laughs> All over. We're done here. <laughs> I've just signed my death warrant. It's okay. <laughs> Wiseman's in the hospital. Oh, he's fucked up. He is fucked up. We love you, people. Come back soon. We'll be here. That's all I can say. Love you. Bye. Bye. That's it for that one.